Good morning. Nice to see everybody here today. And I was a part of the moving crew yesterday that brought Michael and Hannah up here. Our crew, we had 14 people go down. Uh, and it actually got progressively colder as we went south. We started at about negative 4 or 5 degrees here at 6 a.m. And when we got to Nebraska, it was negative 18 degrees. So everyone was a little perplexed and confused. Isn't it supposed to get warmer when we come down? So you guys actually moved up north where it's a little bit warmer right now. So we put 600 miles on the vehicles, um, but we had 14 of us, and then probably another 14 or so, or maybe even more, from their, their church and their community down there. And so it took about an hour and a half to move them out of their house, and today we're going to be moving them in um, to their, um, their place here in Kokato. And we would love to, like Shane and Kate said, for you to be a part of that after the potluck. Many hands make light work. Exactly, exactly. We'd appreciate that. All right, we're going to be jumping into the book of James today. And um, I'm going to open our time uh, with an ar- in, from an article from the Gospel Coalition. And uh, Courtney Doctor, she writes this. <clears throat> I always wanted to ride a school bus, but I was a carpool kid. My mom regularly drove our neighborhood carpool in her mustard yellow station wagon with wood paneling down the side. On the drive home from school, everyone would give a short report of their day. This typically included some drama, a bit of tattling, victories, some frustrations, hurt feelings, and lots of questions. Always lots of questions. Maybe you can relate to this. Mom was somehow able to address the vast majority of topics and concerns being aired. She would jump from topic to topic, shooting arrows of advice into the variety of situations needing her wisdom. Well, George, you ought to let Tim borrow your tennis shoes. You have an extra pair, and it's the right thing to do. Susan, I know spelling is hard for you, but I'm so proud of how you're sticking with it, even when it takes you extra time. Courtney, I'm sorry you didn't get invited to Janie's slumber party, but that doesn't mean you should uninvite her from yours. And on and on. These arrows of advice were mom's attempts at speaking into the real struggles we were facing. Her instruction was practical, loving, and meant to help us do the right thing. Reading the book of James can feel like we're buckled in the back seat of his station wagon on a five-chapter ride with arrows of advice aimed right at us. Like the wisdom offered during my carpool rides, James is extremely practical, moving quickly from one topic to another. James meets us in the routine moments of our day. He meets us in our suffering, our illness, our poverty. He confronts us in our speech, our wealth, and our pride. He instructs us when we lack wisdom to know what to do next. James speaks into these real daily struggles by offering short commands. More than half of the 808 verses, sorry, 108 verses in the letter are commands on how a Christian should live. So, I want to give us a little bit of a context for the book of James before we jump in. Um, So James was Jesus' brother. Um, His parents, his biological parents, were Mary and Joseph. He eventually became a leader early on uh, with the church in Jerusalem. And the book that he wrote, the letter that he wrote, um, many many believe that this is the, the earliest letter, the first letter written in the New Testament. Um, It was written to early Christian Jews scattered outside of Palestine. Now the reader, this is important, the reader of this letter, it was those who had already placed their faith 
in Jesus, people who had surrendered their life to him and asked him to be the Lord and Savior of their life. They had experienced forgiveness of their sins and were born again, and they were given a fresh slate. And so that is who James is writing to today. And so if you are a believer in Christ, this letter is just as much for you today as it was for these early Christians. And if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, today, I pray, would be the day that you would give your life to him and ask him to come into your life. James was writing to people who were dispersed. We're going to see that when we read in a moment. Having to leave their homes, their property, jobs, and all that was familiar. He was writing to women who were at their wits' end, to the children screaming and crying and scared, trying to adjust to new surroundings. He was writing to men who had lost their jobs and their sense of dignity. He was writing to those wrestling with how to live out what they believe. James was writing to those under persecution and living in a complex and contrary culture in order to teach them how to deal with the stress and the pressure of difficult trials. This is why the book of James is so practical and no nonsense. He cuts right to the chase in his letter. And today, we as Christians, uh, we also face pressure. We face stress living in a culture that is often contrary or against the ways of Jesus. Maybe you, like me, wrestle with how to live out what you believe in a way that is respectful, gentle, and still impactful for the kingdom. We also are scattered people. Followers of Jesus are scattered all throughout this globe, and we live in temporary dwellings. Uh, and we, wow, we look forward to our eternal home in heaven. Amen. So what can we learn and glean from this book of James? I think we can learn a lot. So we're actually going to be spending the better part of the next few months in the book of James. We're going to be taking a couple breaks, but there's 13 themes in James that we are going to walk through um, as a church and really ask ourselves, okay, Lord, what, is, what are you trying to say here? What, what does this teach me about you? What am I supposed to do with this now? So James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. It'll be up on the screen, too, if you don't have a Bible. You guys ready? Let's go. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Verse 9, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. 
blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Yeah, let's pray. God, as we open your word now and we read it, um, we, we know that it is useful for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, and training in righteousness as, as we were reminded last week. So God, I pray that your word would pierce like that, that double-edged sword, like that fillet knife, that it would reveal things in our lives that maybe are even unseen to us today um, of what it means to persevere under trial, what it means to stick with it, to continue to look to you in all circumstances. And may you be glorified through our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'd like to start um, as we jump into uh, we're talking about stress today, and I know I already started, so I shouldn't have said that, right? But I am grateful uh, and indebted to a man named Dr. O.S. Hawkins and his Journal of Theology, as he provided a lot of the framework for what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to break James' teaching down into five facts about stress. We'll start with the hard reality of these, and then move through the passage to end with the beauty and the purpose of following Jesus, which I kind of already alluded to a little bit. So we're going to jump into this, all right? Number one, stress is predictable. Look at James 1 verse 2. It does not say, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, if you face trials. What does it say? When you face trials. Trials are predictable, and James acknowledges this reality at the beginning of his letter. He urges believers to consider it joy when they face trials of various kinds. Stress is not a question of if, but of when. And by embracing this truth, uh, we can prepare our hearts to trust God even in the midst of challenges. So once we realize that stress is predictable, we can move on and we can learn to deal with it. So, point two, stress is problematic. Everybody say problematic. Ugh. Just because these trials are predictable from, from what we're learning, it does not mean that they should be dealt with lightly. Stress can be problematic. It not only happens, but it also hurts us. Stress can overwhelm and cause serious problems in someone's life. Maybe you have been on the receiving end of stress in a way that just messes with you emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and even physically. James tells us to consider it joy when we face trials of many kind, many, many kinds. The word here for many, uh, it means many colored or varied, a variety, because James knew that not all of our trials would be alike. Personal suffering, health issues, spiritual warfare, doubt, loss and grief, financial challenges, relationship struggles, cultural and moral challenges, and temptation. We all face these trials. They are predictable, but they are problematic. And in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, it says this, In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though for now, or for now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuine, genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, 
may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So we should take comfort in the fact that the stress of trials are temporary. It's temporary. And stress is predictable and it is problematic. The third one, stress is paradoxical. Everybody say that with me, paradoxical. Yeah, how many people use that word every day, right? A paradox is something with two meanings that don't really make sense together, right? Maybe you've heard some like, oh, you should save money by spending it, right? Or if I know one thing, it's something Bob would say maybe, hey, if I know one thing, it's that I know nothing, right? I'm not saying that's true about you, Bob, but you might use that one. Or this is the beginning of the end, or maybe someone says this to you, you know, deep down, you're, you're really shallow. Right, that is a paradox. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. Huh? Don't we as humans often um, find joy in avoiding trials or in the absence of trials? Sometimes we can find ourselves, it's almost like a game or a contest to try to avoid situations that we know are going to be trying and hard because we just don't want to enter into that. It's just going to be a little hard. It's going to be a little sticky. We can be so short-sighted oftentimes as human beings, can't we? We are thinking so temporarily, so like in the here and now, what's best for me right here in this moment um, emotionally or mentally. Um, planning and looking ahead is maybe not, does not come natural to you and it, it doesn't no, normally come natural to me. But uh, the word James uses when he says consider means to think ahead or to think forward. I don't think James is saying that the trial itself is intended to be joyful. But what can come after the trial and through the trial can be joyful. Jesus was the perfect example of looking ahead. Hebrews 12 Verse 2 says this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus was thinking forward. He was thinking what was best for you and for I, knowing that he was going to suffer and that he was going to die and that his father was going to forsake him on the cross. He knew that that temporary discomfort to a degree that we cannot comprehend um, was worth it if that's what God was asking him to do because he knew the joy that was set before him. Amen? So the, the stress of trials is paradoxical. It doesn't really make sense to the human mind. It's an upside-down kingdom. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase describing the kingdom of God. It's almost backwards from what we naturally in the world tend to think. James says that we should consider it joy because stress or trials are used to bring us to spiritual maturity. So number four, stress is purposeful. Everybody say purposeful. I'm going to give you four more P words since we're sticking with the P word theme today under this purposeful um, heading. First is stress produces a purity. James reminds us 
that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And testing here, it can be defined as the process by which something is tried or proved. You tracking with me? So if you have a hypothesis in science, you're going to test that hypothesis to try to prove it, right? That is the test or the trial period that you're going to go through before you can confirm if your hypothesis is correct. Um, also, in this, with this idea of purity, um, the most natural example is the idea of melting down with extreme heat a precious metal. And through that process of refinement or purification, what comes to the top of that liquid metal? What comes to the top? The impurities, the junk, the stuff that's not supposed to be in it, the stuff that is keeping it from being um, as pure as it was intended or created to be. The second one, stress produces perseverance, a stick to the ability to not give up despite our circumstances. Maybe you can think of someone that has gone through a trial or a, an incredibly difficult thing in their life, and they had perseverance. Maybe you're going to talk about that later in small groups this week, um, of someone, an example of someone who persevered under trial, under extreme press, pressure. The third, stress produces perfection. Another purpose of stress is to lead us to perfection or to becoming more like Christ. Pers verse 4, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Hawkins puts it this way. The word mature means to carry work to its end, to become full-grown. A student goes to school to earn a diploma and along the way may fail a few tests, even confuse a few historical facts, but all that is incidental to finishing the course, walking across the stage and receiving the diploma on graduation day. Our goal in Christian living is spiritual maturity and trials produce perfection in our lives. And then the fourth, is stress produces prayer. In James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask. He should ask God. Oftentimes, a benefit of, of stress and of trials is that it leads us to prayer. It leads us to an intense and intentional focused time coming before God, asking him for wisdom, asking him for clarity, for direction, to take something from you or to help you to get through something, to persevere even when it's hard. Now, wisdom is defined as the ability to think and act, utilizing our knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. So wisdom and knowledge are two different things, but, but God's saying, James is saying here, in the word of God, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should come and ask God, and he gives generously to those who ask. So, four facts so far. Stress is predictable, it's problematic, it's paradoxical, it's purposeful, that we just learned. And fifth, it is profitable. It is beneficial. James 1, 9 through 11, if you want to look there. 
verse 9, the scripture describes two men, the man with poverty and the man with plenty. However, the trials God allows for people in either of those circumstances have a way of bringing us all to a level playing field before the Lord. We all need to come to him in faith. When we learn how to deal with stress through these trials of life, whether it is in poverty or having plenty, um, they can actually be profitable. They can be beneficial to us. Uh, Pastor Steve Cole writes this on verses 9 through 11. The poor man is tempted by his poverty to devote himself to, to the pursuit of wealth. Or he may be tempted to feel neglected by God because of his poverty. James tells him, rather, to focus on his spiritual riches in Christ. The rich man is tempted to glory in his wealth and the status and the power that come from financial success. James tells him to glory rather in his humiliation as a believer. His wealth does not put him on a higher spiritual rung than the poor believer. Greed is not the exclusive temptation of the rich. The poor man may be just as greedy and materialistic as the wealthy man. The poor often covet what the rich already have. But if the focus of both groups is on getting more money or possessions as the way to true happiness, they do not have God's perspective. Both the rich and the poor are prone to pride. The poor Christian become, can become proud over how poor he is for the sake of the kingdom and thus boast in being more spiritual than the rich. The rich can be proud over how God has blessed them and given them such influence, but both need to develop humility. Regardless of your circumstance, we all face pressure. We all face trial. And James in verse 12 says that we are blessed. We experience true happiness and joy when we persevere under trial. Why? Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Blessed from God does not come from an absence of trial, but from the perseverance to endure the trial. When our focus is on God, what he has done for us through Jesus, what he has promised for those who believe and follow him, eternal life, his word says that he has given us everything we need for life and for godliness to persevere and to remain steadfast if you guys want to you can turn to hebrews 11 it's just a couple pages before actually hebrews 11 is sometimes referred to as the hall of faith maybe we can think of people in our own lives we think of people in our church community here um, who are or have persevered under trial. And we can see uh, these, these points that James is trying to make are true in someone else's life that we know. And my prayer, my hope is that they would be true for us as individuals, as families, and as a church, that we would endure, that we would persevere regardless of the stress and the trials that, that come our way. But sometimes it's a great reminder to, as we open the word of God, to be reminded of people in scripture who have, who are not perfect, but have gone before us and have persevered, who have stayed with, like trusting God, even when their circumstances and people around them told them not to. By faith, Noah spent over five decades building an ark. 
met with ridicule from community members and others close to him. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. God. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to, they were drowned. And on and on it goes. I'd encourage you to read that later. To be encouraged to stay steadfast. To be encouraged to persevere under trial and under stress. Even when the culture around us uh, pulls us in every direction but the Lord. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 then. I read a little bit of it earlier. This is my encouragement, our challenge for us. And then we're going to spend some time worshiping. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these people that we just read about, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition, such pressure, such trials from sinners, from the world, so that we do not grow weary and lose heart. The end of our passage in James It said, verse 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life, a heavenly reward that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Can we think ahead? Can we think ahead to the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him, who seek him? It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we don't mess up and don't blow it. But it means... We're faithful as best we can through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us so that no matter the trials we confront, we can find comfort knowing that God has prepared incredible blessings both now and in the future, eternity with him for those who persevere. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word that is true. Thank you for James, who calls himself your servant. He was your brother, like your actual brother. But he says, I'm a bondservant of my Lord, Jesus Christ, my King. He, he sat with you, Lord, in so many situations. I can't even imagine just a brother to brother, um, playing catch, helping out with chores, uh, walking through school and life and an apprenticeship maybe. And, and yet you never blew it. <laughs> You never sinned. And he saw that firsthand. And he writes this letter to Christians in hard places with practical wisdom that we can apply today in our lives, that we can shift our perspective, Lord, but we need your grace to do so. We need your help to do so. And so we ask for that now, that you would give us 
your grace. As we turn to, to worship you through song, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, be working in this room to draw us to yourself. As we sing praise to you, as we're reminded of the Savior that we have, and praising your name, and persevering for the crown that you have uh, promised for us uh, who endure under, under the pressure of life. God, that you would work in our hearts, that you would work in our minds, a transformative Holy Spirit work, uh, that you would be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.